You're listening to Ain't Nobody Listening. Wait, 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 wait. That's the wrong show. Hey, True Story 10 fam. It's been a minute. Abdullah Al Ma'wali here. I'm popping in to let you know about another podcast that I've been hosting and producing in the last few months. It's actually a radio show and it's called Ain't Nobody Listening, which airs on 90.4 Oman FM every Sunday at 7 p.m. It's very different from True Story Tent in that it is long form and largely unedited. It's just me and a guest talking for an hour and sometimes even up till two hours about whatever it is they're passionate about. It's free-flowing, unstructured, and unrehearsed. Every week I get the privilege to host interesting humans with interesting passions on the show to learn and gain insights from them. CEOs, artists, enthusiasts, and weirdos. The show has already hosted a wide range of individuals. 50 episodes has been released already. Can you believe it? I'll tell you what, I'll play you the first 34-ish minutes of a recent interview I had. The interview was with Vanessa Mehri, also known as Sohili Food on YouTube and Instagram. I really enjoyed this one. She's such an interesting human being. And if this is something you're into, then please head over to Ain't Nobody Listening, wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Ain't Nobody Listening. Enjoy the show. Show that. Nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. You're listening to Ain't Nobody Listening on Oman FM. I'm your host, Abdullah Al Ma'wali, and with me today is a special guest who I've been following for a long time. I've been salivating over her amazing <laughs> food for a very long time. I got the Swahili food herself, Vanessa Mehri. Welcome to the show. Thank you. What an intro. I feel like you should do my video intros now. <laughs> voila. Yeah, voila. I could do it with a better intro voice, you know. No, it's cool. You did it. You did an awesome job. The Swahili food. That's just, you're oh, going to make it awkward now. No, because no, you, you can't, you're not wearing your headphones, so you can't hear yeah. the, the talent. No, it's okay. I'm going <laughs> to reserve this for later so when I listen to the talent. Fine. <laughs> so, so I, I've done a little bit of research, you know. Um, <laughs> but not enough obviously mm. so what i've noticed is mm -hmm. people have this vague idea mm. of um your background but you never really delved really just told us the whys of things and the hows and, yes. and drew images of the place that you're at you were mm. born in switzerland yes but then you moved to kenya yes i did um is it your mother that moved to kenya yes my parents divorced mm. And my mom wanted to move far away. Yeah. And Kenya seemed far away enough at the time. Was there any reason why she chose Kenya? She'd been there as a tourist prior, I believe once or twice. And she fell in love with it. And I, I, I understand why. It's beautiful. The people are beautiful. The culture is amazing. Mm. The food, obviously. So I can see why it was a good choice for her. And how old were you at the time? I think I was just... I, I say I was three, but I think I was just about to turn three. Okay, so because I was I'm still guessing. in diapers, I, I would like to say I wasn't in diapers as a three-year-old. <laughs> so around there, 
Why is that like a point of pride? I don't know. I have kids, yeah, so I have like targets. If I, if I went, I was in diapers at three and I'm trying to get one out like by the time they're two. How many kids do you have? Three kids. So I also, I, I guess I should give a little bit more context before we delve into your mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm. I would love for this show, today's show, because we're going to sit for a while. We're going to sit for over an hour mm-hmm. to be for your true fans, mm-hmm. you know? For for those who always wanted to know more, yeah. but there was never enough out there. So uh, if you would allow me, I would love to dig yes. and uh, think about the people who have followed and loved Vanessa for a long time. You're going to get nitty gritty details of your past. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah? Um, I've, I mean, I've been waiting. I always said I was waiting for the right moment because a lot of people ask, like you said. Mm. And I've written a bit about it on my on my website because I am an actual blogger. I have an actual blog. Yeah, by the way, what, what's up with your blog section on your website? Yeah, it needs, it's in, the whole website is, uh, needs some work done. Yeah. So it's getting a revamp because there's also the book that needs to be available on there. Mm. So um, it just gets sometimes, it gets difficult when you are trying to do it all on your own. Yeah. There's only so much you can juggle. And you edit. I edit. Uh, you shoot. I film. Mm-hmm. You do the cooking yourself, obviously. Yes. Uh, you wrote a book at some point. Yes. Um, With the second one coming out soon. Ooh. Yeah. Actually, we're, we're in the final stages. Is this exclusive? It's exclusive information. It hasn't really? Been given up. Mm-hmm. Are we cutting to her? Like, uh, yeah, cut to her. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's a, it's a good, because we're in the final stage. It's now at the print stage. So I feel like it's a, a good time to kind how, of. How much can it. you tell us about it? I can tell you that I've cried through it. Is that okay to say? Absolutely. It's been very hard, but I feel such an intense connection to the second book more than the first, because the book doesn't only have uh, food photos. There's a few photos that I commissioned and pay, I commissioned and paid my little brother who lived in Mombasa hmm. to go around to parts of Mombasa that meant something to me. And he took pictures of those areas mm-hmm. and they're in the book, unedited, oh. raw. So you're going to see parts of Mombasa with a lot of um, electrical wires everywhere and stuff. That's yeah. just the true essence of how things are there. And Is it so, still a, a cookbook as well? It's a cookbook, mm. but it's also a storybook. Mm-hmm. A bit of a storybook. So each recipe, uh, for, for the most part, a lot of the recipes have a small story tied to them. What's my connection to this? Yeah. You know, when I eat this food, what do I feel? What What do you start with, if you don't mind me asking? What do I start what with? What recipe do you start with? I start, well, the first part. Because I feel like the, that's a big decision. Yeah, the first part of the book is Mapocho Pocho. And What's that? It's basically like little appetizers, bitings. Mm. Yeah, so I started with crepes because I really like crepes. Okay. And then I would have assumed mahamri, man. That's the second part. Oh. That's the exact. <laughs> that's the second recipe. Okay. Yeah. Because I didn't connection? want to just give everybody all the gold right from, at the from, start. <laughs> <laughs> but the book has everything, including even halwa from Mombasa. Yeah. We have. It's a different halwa. Oh, I know. Yeah. So, uh, Do you like it? it Ah, uh, it has its occasion. Ah, I'm going to so, bring so, it. You have to so, try mine. So there's, a, I, I may have shared this with you before. I have, from my father's side, I have family in Mombasa. Yeah. And in fact, yes. the the halwa, the Omani halwa place in Mombasa yeah. that you probably know yes. belongs to my family. So whenever they come and visit, <laughs> they would bring, it comes in this like tube shaped. Yeah. Not, not like the Omani style. And it's... Um, Rolled? 
in a paper yeah a rolled mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. and it's um yellowy orange yeah kind of yeah. if i remember correctly it's been a while yeah yeah a bit of i think leaning more towards a the one i do it leans more towards a reddish saffron color because it gets its color from saffron so you I, do it yourself i do it myself yes i slit two hours of it Oof. So I share my recipe for that in there as well. Huh. Uh-huh. That's competing with my family. Ah, I feel like I need to give you my halwa to try. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give you my halwa mixed with other halwas. Can I just say I'm disappointed? Why? <laughs> you promised me mahamris. <laughs> yes, but then I can't just give. If I, you know, I have to um, have a proper occasion to have the mahamris. This is we an occasion. Tea. This is... <laughs> I am not going to be eating, munching away, have the chewing sound effects. We're not doing ASMR, are we? <laughs> Why not? I don't know. Like, listen to your headphones. It sounds great. <laughs> the right moment will come. Trust me, there's a... Oh, my God. There's a Mahamri moment coming. I we promise? You promised me I last promise. time. Pinky promise. Listen, your, your promise. friend, who we're not going to mention, is going to get more brownie points, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. let's. I need to make sure my friend doesn't... Uh, overthrow me in that department um do you have a sense of the real reason why your mother decided to move to kenya did you ever ask her maybe as a grown-up yeah well i know that the divorce is divorce is not necessarily always a beautiful thing Mm. it can get very ugly and in our case it got very ugly and i have a brother and because of how ugly it got my father got custody of the boy Hmm. And my mother got custody of the girl. And so we were separated. Man. Yeah. And yeah, we were separated. And then uh, moving to Kenya. Moving to Kenya was hard, obviously, because I lost my best friend that day. You know, my brother and I were very, we're still very close, surprisingly. Yeah. But there was a very long gap um, of a couple of years where we didn't speak or see each other. We weren't allowed to hmm. because of how ugly things got. Yeah. And he grew up where? He grew up in Switzerland. So you, your brother is Swiss. My brother, his <laughs> accent, everything about him is Swiss. Even his food choices. Mm. Oh, Lord. My brother, for him, a meal is pasta with butter and salt. That's it? Yes. That is very Swiss. When I moved there and I tried to cook Mahamri Mandazi, it was very shunned upon. Yeah? By not only him, but a lot of the family members. So, but I'm sure we'll... If you, if, I don't know if there's going to be a timeline, how you want to do this, but... Mm. Um, yeah. It doesn't really... No, no. We, we can we'll go with it. it. But yeah. it, it was shunned upon. Um, I was told my food is disgusting. No way. It's too spicy. And I'm like, Swahili pilaw only has like four spices. You know? That's three too many. That's apparently three too many. <laughs> apparently even pepper is like, how dare you use pepper? <laughs> but um, I found it... So I found it very difficult living there. Mm. Um, because I didn't know how to cook anything else. How could I have known At how to cook? At what point did you live there? You went back then? I went back when I was around 15 and a half, almost 16. Okay. So after I did my O-levels, I went back. Yeah. To try and uh, get to know my roots hmm. and my father and be with my brother as well. Right. But that was a really tough time. Okay. Extremely tough. Because of that, I just, I didn't fit in. I was the social misfit pretty much. Yeah. Uh, white girl, African accent, smiling way too much. Apparently, you shouldn't be smiling, especially at six in the morning on a train. Don't smile in Europe. What happens? Just keep, because people look at you like you're either on drugs or you're weird or something is wrong with you. Like, why is she so, why is she smiling so much? Why is she saying hi to us on the train? You know, like, just go and look for an empty seat, mm. preferably one that's like completely empty. Yeah. 
and go. If you find, you know, they're usually like on the train, they have four seats, right? Two and two opposite. And if one person is sitting there, they'll have their bag on the next one. That's already a signal like, mm. don't invade yeah, my yeah. space. So if you think you have a right to go to the other two seats, you're sorely mistaken. Just move along and don't smile. <laughs> That's you, what you I know, learned. You know, when I lived in the UK for, <laughs> uh, for a year, uh, when I first got there, mm. um, when I met my colleague, I did, I did my postgrad. Yeah. And every th- I come early and every time my other colleagues come to where mm. we're sitting, mm. Mm. me being the Omani that I am, I would stand up to shake their hands. Yeah, it, I don't even think about it. It's just natural. Somebody comes in, uh, you stand up and you, you, you shake their hand. And about a week or two weeks later, they're like... You, Abdullah, you're very respectful. Every time you come, you stand up. It's like, no, 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 I'm Omani. I'm not res- like, it's not like it's I'm being culture, yeah. courteous or anything. It's like I'm programmed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I it, apparently it was weird. Like, yeah. well, this guy stands up. Like, what am I, royalty? <laughs> you know what? You say that. Yeah. But even in my school days, so. My early years, my when I was uh, so nursery play, they called it play group. Mm. I don't know what they. I guess it's still play group. Kinda play group nursery primary up just before eighth grade. I did the Kenyan system, mm. and then just before the eighth grade started, mom decided to send me to a different school that had computers and stuff. I was fascinated with computers, and I've done computer programming as a side thing. Nice, me too. Way. For me, just for mm. for fun, not for work or anything. Um, and more so to understand my website better. So that's why I didn't want to ask anyone for help. Yeah. Anyway, so um, so she sent me for that. And then when I went to this, it was a British school, but with Indian roots. So it was called Sri, Sri Somnirayan. Okay. And I remember day one, first of all, I had my socks rolled up. Okay. They were not tucked down. Oh, they I were see. I rolled see. up. Yeah. And then with a skirt, okay? So mm. I respect it. My shoes were shiny. I don't think they could shine any more than they did. Because in the Kenyan school, you know, we'd have assembly almost every day and they would check your nails, check your shoes. If your shoes are not shining, you're in trouble. If you look tacky, you're in trouble. So strict. we were really, yeah, it was very strict. Even how your hair was very strict. So day one in this new British system school, um, we're in English class and I raised my hand to mm. answer a question. And the teacher points at me like okay answer i stand up to answer i have never been laughed at so really? much in life yes oh my god it's so painfully embarrassing i stood up to answer because that's in the kenyan school that's what you had to do you don't just go hey sir hmm. and then yeah this is the answer like sitting like you're in a restaurant or something like you're a boss you stand up and show respect and answer mm-hmm. yeah uh, i didn't do that again <laughs> Ever. <laughs> for ever, the rest ever, of ever. my life. For the rest of my life, I still don't do that anymore. It was so, yeah, it was painful. I still remember. I don't think I'll ever forget that moment. Do you remember your earliest memory of when you moved to Kenya? Vaguely. Um, I mean, I remember getting off the plane. And at the time, so my mom remarried. I have a stepfather who's Kenyan. Mm. Yeah. So I remember getting there and we came off the plane and it wasn't like it is now where you have a whole tunnel. It was just stairs. Right. And guests would come or family members would come out, right outside the aircraft and you come down the stairs and you see your members and then you go with them and get your bags and stuff. Pretty, I like that though. I yeah. felt like, like, like you're getting off a bus. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, so we got off and he was there and I was introduced to him. Um, and then we went to our house, mm. which was in a place called Chuda. Oh, cool. Such a cool place. Yeah. Um, so Chuda. And I remember we lived right next to a mosque in Chuda. So that I remember. Um, yeah. And then I just, uh, from then on, what else? Yeah, I spent a lot of time with my mom then. Because my mom was healing, I'm guessing. I never saw my mom cry, though. So she was a very hardcore type really? of woman. Yeah. So, But I know she was healing through it. Mm. Uh, so I spent a lot of time with her uh, up until they built a house in Nyali. Uh, I think I was maybe five, six years old when we moved now to the property they built. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, that. I remember that. I remember playing outside barefoot, getting in trouble every day for being barefoot. Uh, my mom didn't encourage me to be barefoot. Yeah. I still, I still go outside barefoot. By the way. Okay. Yeah, my, it is. It's it's freeing. Yeah, the lady who does my pedicures doesn't like me, but it's okay. <laughs> She's like, why? Why am I always struggling every time you come here? Yeah. Blame so, it on my mom. No, no, it's a rebellion. It is. It is. <laughs> I was very, I was very rebellious. But I guess that happens when you come from a lot of kids who've come from a divorce background mm. tend to be rebellious. One of them. Yeah, you know, because you you feel like you're lost sometimes and unheard, mm. and more so now when you're a white kid. And by then, by the time we moved house, now my Kenyan father, he was my stepfather. Yeah. So now you're this white kid walking around with a black stepfather. Did I, you did you feel it at the time that you were different? No, not at the time. Uh, not at that age, at least. Um, I just remember people being very kind of surprised, like, oh, hmm. uh, my stepfather would introduce me. His name is Peter, and he would introduce me as his daughter, and people would be like, everyone's doing double takes. They're like, nah. <laughs> <clears throat> Even if she got the light gene, <clears throat> there's something just doesn't fit here. Hmm. Yeah. But uh, I remember it was, it was a very interesting time um, for me. There was a, you know, I was, sense of identity was non-existent at that time. Mm. I was this white kid that only spoke Swahili because nobody spoke to me German anymore right. once we got there. So it was only Swahili. I didn't speak English until I went to school. You know, which wow. must have looked very interesting. So your first language, essentially, is Swahili. Pretty much. I know I spoke a little German as a toddler. Mm. Yeah, but then it was Swahili. Kiswahili, actually. Kiswahili. Kiswahili, yes, yeah. yes. So, yeah, that was... Um, I'm pretty sure it was interesting to see me back then as a little white kid running around barefoot, only speaking Swahili. Yeah. It must have brought a lot of confusion. What would I have <laughs> seen had I saw you at that time? I have a picture. You want to see pictures? <laughs> yes, I feel please. like a picture would perfectly. I know I was barefoot. You Look can, at this. You can show it to the camera, by the way. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Let me see which one I want to pick. This is just, there's some interesting gold. Well, first and foremost, I'll show this one. There's a little girl here looking. In Swahili, in Kiswahili, we call it Chokora. Oh, it's Chokora. Chokora is like street kid, pretty much. That's cute. But that was, yeah, that's little <laughs> Vanessa right wow. there okay I don't know if you can see it yeah so and uh you can see the doll mom got me very interesting doll i i thought that was a human being i know <laughs> you know something people actually thought that that was a real child and they're like like you're gonna hurt the child like and then they'd grab i'm like it's my doll <laughs> it looks like a real her name was felis i still remember her name wow yeah it's a massive doll 
But uh, what, was your par- what were your parents trying to do? Well, first of all, my doll was black. So mm. I don't know. My mom was really trying to make me comfortable with yeah. that. Because before getting to Kenya at that age, I'd never seen a black person before. Yeah. So, but you were so young. You're so young. You don't even, that's the thing. You mm. don't even know, notice color. Exactly. So she got me this doll though, because obviously she, she felt I needed to get that introduce, introduction to That's cool. To I, that, yeah. I feel like that needs to be done more often in today's world even. I think it should be done because this thing of only having white Barbies and stuff, although there's, there's people creating black, black mm. dolls now and I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Because you're celebrating all, I haven't seen Omani dolls though. That would Are be any? nice. That would be cool. The, with the Omani Eid yeah. outfit. It's it's celebrating all cultures, mm-hmm. isn't it? Should we pitch that to Barbie? Yeah, can I don't we? know what their company name is. But hey, Mattel. Barbie, could you tell them? Mattel. Mattel. I might say, I feel like I'm saying it wrongly. Hmm. Like you should say it's an American brand, right? So you should say it like an American, correct? Yes. So Mattel. Mattel. Please, could you possibly have Barbies for Oman, maybe, as oh. well? Oman. Swahili culture. That would be beautiful. It's so colorful. Oh, with the conga. Yeah. Um, and just note, Mattel, that the kanga needs to have phrases. Yes. It's very important. Some of those phrases are so naughty. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Tell me what no one's listening. Oh, I don't know. Well, sometimes you'll get stuff like Mpandangazi Ushuka, who he who goes up the ladder will soon come down. Okay. They're very... Saucy. <laughs> there's some interesting <laughs> ones, yeah. Um, they're, they're just based on Swahili, Metali. Metali is proverbs. Uh, so. Like methyl in, in Arabic. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. That's okay. where it comes from. Wait, just before, since we're on the Arab subject, mm. right? Uh, apparently, Mombasa was derived from an Arab name, Mom. I forget it. Momsa. Momsa? No idea. Momba- oh, anyway, I need to say. So apparently, Mombasa was derived, yeah, from an Arabic name. I forget the name, though. I should know it. Yeah. But then it became Mombasa. But then I feel like a lot of people just make these things up. It's like, I heard someone once say, yeah. where do you think Boshar came from? Uh-huh. It, it used to be Abu Shar. Oh. The, the father of evil. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's like Abu Shar, Abu Shar, Abu Shar, Abu Shar, Abu Shar, It became Boshar. And that was his explanation for me. I'm like, sure, bro. Oh man. Yeah. So then, and you, but you didn't take it evidently. Well, I live there now, so. <laughs> Boshar is nice. Do you have scorpions? I haven't seen one yet, but I do love Boshar. I got scared of Boshar because I was told they're scorpions. So nah. I was like, uh-uh. No. Nah. So yeah, okay. So I found... Uh, Hadir there in the background is saying it's true. I, yes. Yeah. I've not. Se- I've lived there for seven years. I've not seen a single uh, scorpion. And I go up the dunes every day. No, I don't every day. You see the snakes? You s- snakes in the mountains? Yes, I've heard snakes and scorpions, which is why I never looked at Boshar. Okay, let me see the next picture. So, this is... I don't know, you can't really see, but this you can. This is yes. now shows proper. Look where I'm running around. <laughs> Obviously, somebody was there to take uh, the picture. You're wearing you're wearing slippers though. I did because so you, I, no guesses who was there to take the picture. Who? My mother. Okay, <laughs> that's the only so reason this shoe. She would have. Oh, my mom would have thwomped me. My mom was very strict. So. But she was the one that um, decided you should go to a Kenyan school. I'm not sure if it's necessarily her or my stepfather were combined. Hmm. Yeah. But it seems like she wanted you to integrate. She did want me to integrate. Um, I guess it's a reflection of what she wanted for herself as well to integrate. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, she did integrate a lot. She, she's, but she kind of connected more with the Kikuyu. My stepfather is from the Kikuyu community. She connected more with that. So hmm. I feel like she really fits in there. 
Yeah? Yeah. Where Even the food today? she cooks, she cooks something like, she likes cooking mukimo. What's that? Which is mukimo is like with pumpkin leaves and um, potatoes, like a mash. Think of it like a bit of a greeny, green toned mash. Yeah, it's yeah. my understanding that your, that your mom would cook more uh, Swiss, Swiss meals. She tried. Yeah. She tried for a while. Mm. I remember her serve, trying, attempting to serve tongue and th- things like that. Tongue. Cow tongue. Interesting. That's very Armani. In, really? <laughs> you know, oh, man, it gets brutal. I didn't know that. Yeah, they eat the... the yeah, I don't want to... <laughs> I don't... It's very difficult to watch. Well, usually in big gatherings with a big big event, they will bring also the head. Okay. And it will be on on the plate. Yeah. And then the guy who has the honors yeah. would open up the jaws. Wow. Yeah. And Thank like, you. ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> who wants to go? <laughs> I would run. I'm glad I haven't been put in a position like that because I cannot eat, eat tongue to this day. Yeah, no. Yeah, I'm just like, can I have boko boko instead, please? I really like boko boko. Yeah, me too. Yeah, can I have that instead? I will have that instead. Um, but yeah, so. Can I ask you, and this is like, it's not relevant, but we've, yeah. I've had this conversation with uh, Emmett, actually, a colleague. Yeah. Where can people buy good boko boko in Oman? Because the best ones we have during Eid are the ones that are made at home. Yeah. So outside of Eid, I, there, are, there are many attempts, but they're not the same. I haven't found one, to be honest. The best one I've tried is at my relative's Hanifa. Her name is Hanifa at mm. her house. Uh, she's my husband's cousin. So that's where we go for Eid. Does she do boko boko off season? I can get her to do <laughs> boko boko off season. Oh, it's legendary. Um, actually... The, the one we tried this time was her, one of her closest friends called Asia did it and it was so good. Oh. I'm going to try and see if I can get you some. You have to try it. So now I have Mahamri. I'm telling you, there's food Boko coming. Boko. I don't know if they're going to come at the same time because that combination, I'm listen, not sure. Listen, I love this job. I'm just saying, <laughs> if this is what I'm getting out of it, I'm happy. Um, uh, so you started to become aware that you are different. You know? Yeah, I became aware I was different in school once I went to school. Yeah. Uh, probably, yeah. Yeah, once I started school, probably around KG2, standard one, when you're more, people are more vocal, kids are more vocal. What's the what's the word? Do they use Mzungu? They use Mzungu mm. to refer to me, and I didn't like it. I mm. didn't like it at all. And I remember getting nasty sometimes, like, or angry rather, and going, no, I'm Africa, and you African. <laughs> you know, because I was like, why are you calling me that ever name? You know, it made me feel really, because I was like, why are they, why have they, like, mm. completely pulled me apart? I've, I've, I've been with you guys. We were in diapers in class just the other day together, and we've been growing together. Why all of a sudden? Um, and then obviously my hair was always touched. My skin was always touched. I liked my hair being touched because the girls would practice braiding my hair. Oh, cool. And I loved that. And I used to always get my hair braided because it was I was lazy. I didn't want to brush it. Mm-hmm. And it was easy to do when I used to go to the salon until I got chawa. I don't know if you know chawa. Mm-mm. Chawa is lice. Because once I went to a salon in Congoware to do my hair for school and I got lice and my hair was all chopped off by mom. <sighs> yeah. So, but I, I liked the braiding. I liked when the girls played with my hair. I was like their doll. I was their life-size doll, pretty much. And yeah, for lack of... Let's go play with them Zungas. Yeah, hair. let's go play with her hair. So break time, lunchtime, the girls would, we'd be like under a tree. I remember in school and there was this one girl, Aisha, used to, she was very good at braiding hair. Hmm. 
Aisha and she would just braid my hair and it was fun. I liked it. That does sound fun. It was fun. I looked at it as a as a good it was fun for me. I didn't look at it. I didn't feel attacked at that. I just felt attacked when people would just go mzungu. I'm like, you know, I have a name, call me by my name. Would you call your childhood a happy one? <clears throat> Not really. Hmm. Not really. Um first of all because I'm from a divorced background and I lost my brother. That hmm. was already pretty traumatic. And then trying to fit in You know, I I didn't fit in. I didn't have white friends growing up. I didn't fit in there. I tried. And mom, bless her soul, she did try to organize play dates with white kids. Mm. But there was no connection. They were a lot of them were British, you know, and their families had been in Kenya for generations, so ex-colonialists. We were very they went to different schools. Mm. They had a different lifestyle. Their Sundays were spent on boats and on the beach and fancy. My my Sunday was going to a place like Blue Room local place for ice cream. Okay. Or if we were really lucky, um we would go to Shimba Hills, which was a a park, a national park, and you could drive around. So that was our Sundays, you know. Yeah. If at all. That's also that also sounds really nice. I I felt like it was good. I, I liked it. Yeah. I liked that part of it. I really loved going there. Um we also used to go to a place called Mamba Village which was a crocodile farm, but they used to have a disco on Sundays for kids. Mm. And there was <laughs> dance competitions and I won a couple. Hey. I didn't win money. I just won a poster a few times. Like <laughs> a poster of Mamba Village. <laughs> It's just promote I, this. That I feel conned about. Yeah. <laughs> like promote this, you know. <laughs> Wait, so so you won the competition and I'm assuming it was a more African type of it dancing. It was African, yeah. You yeah. Di- you didn't come to do your Swiss How does the Swiss dance? I'm not sure. Oh lord, I don't even think I want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, do they have a dance? I'm pretty sure they have like an old folklore type dance. I feel like European dancing, this is no offense to anyone. It tends to be shoulder up. Mm. And African tends to be um, waist down. Waist down and more rhythm, isn't it? I mean that is that is the Yeah, that, that's that, what they say. That's right? what one thing my sisters and I joke about all the time when it comes to our mother is the complete utter lack of rhythm. Yeah. It's non-existent. <laughs> For- I mean even when we'd be in church and she's like singing and clapping, <laughs> the clapping is off. That's how we're just like mom like you you know we're dying laugh yeah she's like completely <laughs> off and i'm just like yo mother madre why <laughs> so interesting you're a great case study then mm. are you born with rhythm or is it learned i think it's learned mm. yeah i think it is i feel like mm, to an extent i mean if you look at babies oh i haven't really seen european babies dance to Because if you look at like babies from Brazil, you've seen the videos of little babies in Brazil, for example, dancing to to the music there. So things with beats. I've they move yeah. they move to the beats. I've definitely seen, you know, the the there's these um these African groups oh, and they're yeah. younger kids and they coordinate dance. Oh they're my sensational. god. That's amazing. And it's always been like that and kids even from even from my time, music was a big part when kids would dance. Hmm. Um and in schools we would have drama festival where you would do traditional dancing and oh, it was a even what festival drama it was called drama festival oh, okay so you would have people doing poetry hmm. so i competed once for poetry in kiswahili called mashairi and i won <laughs> i don't remember the poem much but i won with that and then we also went with uh, traditional dancing 
Mm. So it was mostly, um, I, yeah, it was, uh, I think, from the Bantu region. So so you dress up and you would do the traditional local dances. And so we did that. I must feel like I was used like a token now that I look back. <laughs> I really feel like that was it. The school, I feel like the school. Here's the token white person. Yeah, look at our white person dancing <laughs> traditional Kenyan dances. I feel like. I, I don't know if that was how it was used back then. My teachers were... What matters is how you perceived it. How I had mm-hmm. so much fun. I got to... I didn't have to sit in class and mm-hmm. study. I got to go in because you'd have to practice, right? Yeah. So that means I'm missing math class to go and practice? Yo, that sounded like a that good deal. That sounds fun. I was like, I mean, sign me up. That's how I felt about Kashafa. You What's know, the, the scouts. Ah, okay, okay. I, honestly, it wasn't like it wasn't appealing. No offense, I know they're like hardcore scouts people as an adult as well. Mm. But I wasn't, I wasn't that fascinated. But it was my ticket out of class. Yeah. So sign me up. I think we looked every. A lot of people just looked for a ticket out of class. I was definitely one of them. I was gonna go to the military training at some point just because I thought ticket out of class. I could use some losing weight. <laughs> Oh my god, I wanted to join the Swiss military and my dad refused completely. My mom supported me Mm. um, just because I felt like it was a a ticket to free education. Swiss military? What's that? (laughs) It exists. I know the Swiss have never... The Swiss have a military? Yes. I'm like, why? I don't understand. I'm like, you guys didn't colonize anybody. No, the whole, their whole thing, with anyone, their whole marketing peace. is we don't, we don't war. Do you know, <laughs> so Swiss, Switzerland as a country has the highest number of gun users or gun owners in it's the com- world. It's probably compensating for no war. Yeah, so everybody, so any guy who's been in the military is given a gun, mm. but no ammo. <laughs> That's sad. Yeah. So you have the gun, you don't have the ammo. So you get the ammo because you have to regularly train, right? Mm. So when you go to train, you sign up, you get your ammo, and there's shooting ranges everywhere. Really? Every, every, you're walking, there's a shooting range. Like every town has shooting ranges. That's it's, crazy. That's, yeah. That's not what you would expect. Not from Switzerland. Not from Switzerland. I expected no. to find like chocolate factories everywhere. And but cheese. I was, I was so disappointed. Really? <laughs> I've yeah. never been there. I, although it's one of uh, those spots I definitely want to visit. You have to. You have yeah. to. But I would say definitely go look for the grassroots type of groups that do the tours. Mm. And really go to the, you know, do the camping vans if you can. Or even just tents. Do you really, go? Do you do you, do you with go my there? three kids? No, I go there, mm. just not the grassroots way. What does that I, mean? I go the bougie way now because I have three kids. Fair enough, man. Yeah, I, I, I just don't have the that. patience to deal with complaints the whole night. <laughs> you know, you have these as a parent, you have these grand ideas of oh, let's go camping. It'll be so much fun. You mm. go, you set up your tent. Ah, oh, mama, there's doodos like bugs. Ah, <laughs> oh, mama, it's this. Ah, oh, mama, I want my pillow. I want my blankets, and you're like. So much for roughing it out. Would you like me to pack a couch next time we come? You know, like, as it is, we have a toilet tent with a toilet inside it and a shower. Yeah, that's, that's already bougie. Already, for a lot we've of reached that level, you know. And we're making like cookies. We're baking cookies while camping. I'll tell you what. We go out on a quick break. Yeah. And when we come back, we're going to talk about something that I'm sure is a big theme in your life. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get into food yet. Yeah. We'll keep that for later. But I, w- I would love to go into um, identity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'll be right back. 
This is Oman FM. So there you go. That's a bit of a taster of what Ain't Nobody Listening is like. To listen to the rest of this interview, make sure to check out Ain't Nobody Listening wherever you listen to podcasts. Find the episode title Swahili Food and More and skip to minute 34 to continue the rest of this. And while you're there, I would really, really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. That would help us immensely to reach more people. All right then. See y'all later. Bye.